I very rarely get to preach back-to-back -back Sundays. It's nice to do that, especially with last week's lesson. To recap, for those of you who were not here, we discussed how to know the will of God in your life, how to discern what God desires for you. In that sermon, the central point was talking to God, breaking the conditioning of prayer that we grew up with, and learning to talk to God, engage in conversations with him, so that we would recognize his voice, and therefore be able to know what he desires for us. And this week's sermon is a follow-up on that. It's kind of like a part two in a series, though I didn't plan for a series. But then again, God has his will, and it's up to us to do it. Let us pray. Father, help me to speak as you would have me speak, and for everyone else to hear as you would have them hear. Holy Spirit, fill us in all of this room with your presence, so that anything that is not of you has no room or place to be here. Jesus, our living word, fill the hearts of your faithful. Amen. This week has uh, been a little rough for me. Uh, well, frankly, there's not been any little about it. It's been an out-and-out out stretching week for me. God has pulled me in all sorts of directions. And when I say that, I don't mean I was going in circles, but rather God has been pulling me any numbers of ways that I might grow into areas that he would have me grow. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity of meeting a woman who I'll call Miss Nancy. She came to me, us, Five Lows Food Pantry. She had reached the bottom. Over the years, I had the blessing to get to know her, know what her story was and is. That's one of the big things I try to get our volunteers to find out. What is the story behind my family? What is the story behind the people you're serving? If we find out what their story is and see if we have something in common that allows us to meet on common grounds, commonality, that common ground, we can develop a relationship with them. And through that relationship, we can hope that God may come into their lives, or if he's already there, help him grow in their lives. Such was the story of Nancy. She was a college graduate, a real estate agent, mother of two, and wife of a retired Navy officer. Both of her kids went to Ivy League colleges and graduated with advanced degrees, and both have since married and have kids of their own. Her life was the best of the best. Everything was perfect. They were a perfect family. They were a church-going family. They were to all appearances, and according to her, the fact was they were perfect. Then the housing crisis hit, and everything fell apart. According to Nancy, they lost everything. They had a number of houses. They had all the adult toys, and I mean literally all the adult toys. They had special garages to house the adult toys. But no longer could they afford any of it. They had sizable debt. A lot of it was college loans. Evidently, advanced degrees still cost a lot. And the kids were not in a position to take on the loans yet. They had since married and were making families of their own things were okay. She was comfortable with that and so was her husband until the housing crisis hit. Her 
husband was the first victim of the crisis. He lost everything that he had ever invested. And he was no longer able to live the life that he was accustomed to. So he ended his own life. Nancy found him in her car in the garage. One night, a nicely but simply dressed Southern woman, I hope you know what I mean when I say that because she just exuded that Southern style, showed up in her pantry. She was driving a very nice, it was that year's model car and all of my family were gossiping about it. And let me tell you, my family, those people who come to the food bank, if there's one thing they're good at, it's gossiping. Okay, before she had even pulled into the driveway and was parking her car, I had three people tell me what year model and make that car was, what was it doing here, why was she here, and how could she need food? What they didn't know was that I already knew her. What they didn't know was that she was a real estate agent and that was the only thing that she kept so she could take her clients around to see houses that she was selling didn't know was earlier that day she had come to see me. Nancy needed someone to talk to and needed someone to help and she had heard about me and so she came to me and asked point blank if there was anyone I knew who was a carpenter who could seal up a dryer vent in the laundry room because that's where she was sleeping at her house. It was January. The weather outside was below freezing, and here she was, getting the cold air in through her laundry room and sleeping on the floor. In order to try and make ends meet, Nancy had sold all of their furniture except for the bedrooms, and she had rented out every bedroom in her house like a boarding house. She was reduced to sleeping in the laundry room. The only thing she had was the lease on that car because a real estate agent can't begin to take clients around in a clunker. She needed that car to have an income. It was the running out of those rooms that caused her children to stop talking to her. They said that she violated their trust by allowing strangers to sleep in their rooms and in their beds. Her son and daughter got together and said that they would never talk to her mom again. It had been four years. They never helped her out in any of her life after the falling. Well, basically, when she lost money. They blamed her for their dad's death. Nancy just wondered where she went wrong. How did she raise her kids to be like this? So she hit rock bottom. She had nowhere to go. She was directed to me. People said that I could help and I would be able to understand. And back then, that was a major stretching moment for me. I excused myself for a couple of seconds, went to the other room and screamed to God, why me? How was I supposed to help this woman? I didn't have any, I, I didn't know what to do. So I prayed, 
And he answered. And he just said, I needed to yield to him. And keep remembering that this was about him and her, not about me and her. We managed to get the hole fixed in her laundry room. We found some twin mattresses for her to sleep on. And she was making it day by day. And that was her first night coming to us for food. She had been going to church, right? She no longer had a church. She was unable to be the tither that she was. Her husband had committed suicide, so she had that stigma. And everyone at the church just drifted away. In fact, the pastor didn't even have time to make an appointment to meet with her when she was in trouble. I found her a new church home, a small, quiet church that wouldn't judge her. A church where people were all broken, and that's how they looked at themselves. We are a broken church with broken people in God's perfect place. We had potluck, potlucks every Sunday night because so many of them were on fixed incomes. They had Bible studies on Wednesday and a good Bible teaching church that really taught her to pray and to read the Bible. It was a small Baptist church that she felt she was accepted to, and she grew in the spirit there. And we continued to meet every week as she came for food. She eventually lost her house and a car. She was reduced to renting a room from a church member. Now she said she had really hit bottom. she was at that bottom, she began to learn what life was really about. She developed quality friendships, and she really began serving. She started to live, believing in the promises of God, believing that God was always there for her, believing that God cared for her and died for her. Believing that he loved her and wanted her to be happy, that he would never forsake her. She knew that if she were to first seek the kingdom of God, what she would eat, drink, or wear, all would be taken care of. She learned to recognize his voice and began to do the will of God in her life and became a sister of Jesus, as we heard last week. In simple terms, she began to live by faith, not by sight. Faith in Jesus, faith in God, faith in his word. She was truly on her way to become the saint that God had called her to be. she was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer and given months to live. She had no medical insurance at this point. She had no income. Having lost the car, she was reduced to nothing. So Nancy decided in prayer that her life was over was time to go home. 
She didn't want to fight in this life anymore. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who has given us the spirit is a guarantee. We read that today in our lesson. Nancy understood that it was time to give up her tent and to move into her building from God. Her house not made with hands, but one that would last forever in the heavens. She never gave up her faith. She never complained about pain or her illness. She didn't complain because she was, excuse me, she did complain because she was no longer able to do the service that she had grown accustomed to doing. And she didn't want to be a burden to anyone else. Nancy wasn't afraid to die. There was no fear in her. She was always of good courage because she knew that while we were at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That was the final part of our second lesson today. That was Nancy's life and the last year she lived. She made it her goal, her aim to please God in everything that she did. And she died this week. memorial service this week because we couldn't hold a funeral because there was nobody to claim her body. Her kids refused to do so. They didn't want the financial burden. So since nobody would claim the body and only family members that could do that, it was considered abandoned. At which point, I don't know if you know this, they call the sheriff's office because the sheriffs tracked down the next of kin to try and get the body claimed. They refused. I kept hoping that it was a mistake in communication. It wasn't. So what happens, the sheriff's office has the body cremated and they distribute the ashes 
in the potter's field. And that's what happened with Nancy. At her memorial, we just had her picture in the park. She had heard a story at her church and she wanted me to pass it on to the people at her church and to keep passing it on. The story goes like this. In all my years of attending socials and dinners, I always remember that when the dishes of the main course were being taken away, someone would walk over, inevitably lean over and say, keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew that dessert was coming. Something better, something succulent. Like it might be a very chocolate cake or it could be Mrs. Smith's apple pie that she made from scratch. Something wonderful was coming. So I just want people to see me there in the casket holding a fork in my hand. And when I ask, why does she have a fork? She wanted me to remind them. Keep your fork. The best is yet to come. We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we were at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. So you see, we need to discern the will of God because the judgment seat awaits for us for what we do in this tent. By learning to hear and recognize God's voice, we can do his will. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. That was last week's sermon, remember? Once we know of the will of God, we need to walk by faith, not by sight. But what does that mean? It means that we trust God just like Nancy. In everything and anything we do, we trust him. I want you to think about something here. How much trust do you put in other people's words? Your employer for your employer benefits, your check coming on a regular basis. Everything in this world, we put trust in the people we deal with. And yet, Things always fall through, but we still keep trusting. Why is it that you won't trust in God with that same level of trust? Why is it that you put man before God? Why is it you trust people's promises, but you don't trust His? In the Amplified Bible, we read John 3.16, 
God so loved the world that he gave his only son that so whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That word in the Amplified, believe, you've heard me talk about it before, is trust in, cling to, rely on. Think about that. You do that with your employer, don't you? You trust that they're going to deposit that check every two weeks. You trust that your health and medical are going to work. You trust in the bank to take care of your mortgage, to honor their agreement with you to keep that interest rate. We trust so much and cling to and rely on for so much that is of the world. What do we trust in, cling to, do we rely on him? gives us eternal life. In whom do you really believe? In whom do you really trust? In whom do you cling to and rely on? That is how we walk by faith. Our sight. We walk by faith by believing on God clinging to him and relying on him in his word and in his promises. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We learn to pray unceasingly. Learn to recognize God's voice and follow it. And we do God's will in our life, and when we do that, everyone benefits from it. And through this, we learn to walk by faith, not by sight. And while we do this, hold on to our fork because we know by faith that no matter how good or bad yesterday was no matter what is happening today or what may happen tomorrow the best the absolute best is yet to come Let us pray. Father, we need you in our lives. We need the strength of your Holy Spirit. And we need the power of your word, your son. Help us to rely on you. To cling to you. to walk by faith and not by sight. Holding on to our fork. Truly knowing that the best is yet to come.